Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. Our guest this week is Rob Scott. This is his second time on the show. I absolutely love this guy. Um, he is a mindset coach. What does that even mean? Okay, a mindset coach, his whole thing is teaching you how to control your mindset in order to get the outcomes that you're looking for in your life, in order to fundamentally change who you are. That's what the fundamental shift is. You can change who you are by adjusting your mindset. We're going to talk about the specifics of how you can think and grow your entire life by changing your mindset. And it's not voodoo. It's not magic. It is just about taking ownership over your thoughts and being able to control your subconscious mind in a way that allows you to become the best version of yourself. So you don't have to... Uh, basically unpacking all of the things that we subconsciously do anyway uh, and then and then and then putting into into practice the habits and the kind of self talk that helps you grow as a person. So very, very excited to bring that to you. Uh, before we do that, we're going to take a, a quick break because today's show is made possible by our friends over at Rocket Mortgage. Thank you guys for for making this work today. So here's a quick word from our friends over at Rocket Mortgage, and we'll, we'll be right back. Once again, thanks to Rocket Mortgage for making today possible. Here we go. Before we get to this interview, I want to give you guys a couple of quick pieces of intelligence that you can share with your friends. If you haven't been to the movies since the pandemic began, that's me, because you don't want to sit in an auditorium with a super spreader, or it's completely shut down like it is near me. The movie chain, AMC, the largest movie chain in North America, movie theater chain, is renting out the entire theater for just $99 for private screenings of current movies. You can watch the movie alone, or you can invite 20 people total, which would be about $5 a person if you did it, if you divided that up. You can choose which movie you want to screen, the date, the time you want to reserve on the website amctheaters.com slash rentals. That's amctheaters.com slash rentals. They're hoping that, they, that stuff like this will help keep the theaters open until things get fully back to normal. Also, Hidden Valley Ranch, phenomenal dressing. They are at it again. They are capitalizing on the popular pandemic trends, and they've created new merchandise for lovers of ranch dressing. So now in addition to eating ranch dressing, you can buy Hidden Valley Ranch branded embroidery kits. There's a ranch dressing jigsaw puzzle, which features a river uh, of a, a river of ranch dressing meandering its way through the mountains. You know, the, the logo, mountains uh, made of chicken strips. So there you go. Uh, take your pandemic, your your quarantine uh, coping mechanisms and, and, and just put some ranch on it. There, there you have it. Okay, here... Very excited to bring this to you. Here is Rob Scott. Rob Scott, I, I, I get to call you friend of the show because not only have you been on the show before, but you and I, we kind of talk regularly, uh, and, and which I happen to love. You were on an episode. We talked about you're, you know, you're a mindset coach. You, you really lean into the idea of the fundamental shift. Um, mm -hmm. we, we'll talk, we can talk again about what that means in a second here. We talked about how to you know, really affect change in people's lives last time we talked, um, and <laughs> it was during quarantine, we're still dealing with the same stuff, a lot of the same stuff we were dealing with before. So first of all, thank you for being here with us today. It's an absolute pleasure. It's good to be with you. I hope I'm also a friend of you, not just the show. Yes. But yeah, I think, that's, I think that's what you meant there. So. That is that. I was implying it because we yeah. continue, yes, that you and I you and I become friends. So the, um, but what I really wanted to get out there today, because I think I think the the work that you do and the way that you help people is so powerful and important right now. I just know uh, I know for me that there's a lot of people out there who feel powerless, who feel like all of the circumstances that we're dealing with that are so far beyond our control 
are, are creating anxiety. And the statistics bear that out, right? How many times, how many studies have we seen that because of quarantine, because of COVID, because of the state of politics and global warming and all that, people, anxiety, depression, uh, all of these sort of uh, early indicator mental illnesses are up and people are not sort of getting the help that they need. So uh, that's really what I want to lean into today is how, help us all, give us the roadmap so that we can begin to get out of some of this. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I have some pretty good stuff on that and I'm uh, thrilled to share it with you. I think a, a, a cool place to start might be to, to break down a handful of the general areas when people come to do any kind of a work with me, what they're looking for. Right. And then what they actually need is almost always something different. So if there's <laughs> someone out there who's, who's struggling and having a hard time, Usually what they think they need and what they actually need are very different things. So, so yeah. from the top, the number one thing that people come to me for is they want different outcomes. And by that, I mean they want either more money or a different job or they want to shift careers or start a business or they want something external and out there, right? Uh, the, another thing that they might come to me for is they maybe take a little bit more agency and they go, I've got to change my habits and my behavior, right? They want to... Uh, learn to stick to a diet plan or do something like that. So they want to habituate something differently. And the third thing is people come to me and they go, I am, I just don't feel good. I'm anxious or I'm depressed or whatever. And I want to be happy or I want to connect with my purpose or so there's some state difference. Right. And so those three things are what almost everybody wants one or many of those, right? That's right. what they're, they're trying to get. But what they don't normally come to me to ask for is, Hey Rob, can you change my thinking? Can you change my thought? <laughs> right. right? And, and what's crazy is that what's really being set up here is, is events happen to us, right? And maybe we participate in how they happen, but they happen to us, uh, mm -hmm. sometimes an emergency, sometimes a pandemic, sometimes crazy political stuff, whatever is happening. And then we end up feeling a certain way about it. And how we feel about it very much influences how we behave. And how we behave, to whatever degree, affects the outcomes that we get. And so there's a loop there. And that's the original triangle of what people are trying to affect. But what we don't realize is that the interpretation of the events is happening before our feeling about it. So let's say somebody's feeling depressed and anxious or whatever. That doesn't exist without a story about it as well, right? So you're, you're sad about something. You're anxious about something. Right. And so what's happening with an emotion, if we just dial in on changing emotions for a second, what really is happening there is you have a somatic feeling in your body, like anxiety might come with a tension or a heat in your chest or something like that, and the mental story about it. And the emotion is actually the combination of those two things together that we would call anxiety or you know, excitement or whatever that might be. And what people don't realize is we feel almost a victim to that feeling. But if you can actually just change your meaning in the moment, change one side of that, either change the thought or change the somatic experience, the emotion changes. So quite literally, if you're anxious about going on stage and giving a talk, let's say, giving right. a public speech, uh, it's really helpful to start saying to yourself, instead of I'm anxious and this is horrible, I'm letting that become like a neurotic loop that just builds more anxiety, you say, actually, this is just excitement. I'm really excited about doing this. And yeah. you can shift the meaning to excitement. And what you'll realize is that excitement and anxiety somatically in the body feel almost identical, right? They're, they're not very different uh, in, in the actual tension in the chest and what they're happening. But if you change the story about it, you can actually feel very, very differently. And so all of that is just to ground the idea that where the source of that, if we look at the chain of events that we really want to start messing with mm -hmm. and the fastest one to mess with and the one that has the most uh, effect on us 
is deeply changing our relationship to thought. Okay. So if, if, and I, I want to give space to let you kind of respond to some of this. I don't want to just keep talking, but does that make sense so far? Yes. So yeah, yeah. Just to kind of to put a, uh, a bow on it, it's this idea that anxiety or, or any emotion, but we, you're focusing on anxiety, has with it a certain amount of uh, mental expectation, mental thought that that places that somatic feeling, that feeling in your body, uh, and attaches it to uh, an outcome that we are that you're worried about or anxious about, as opposed to just experiencing the somatic part of it, the body part of it, which you're mm -hmm. saying for, again, using the example of anxiety is the same body feeling as excitement. So before Christmas morning, that body feeling is the same as before a, uh, before you have to go into something that you're scared to do, like speak on stage. So yeah, I think it's, it's useful to call it, it they're similar enough, right? They're similar enough right. that with, with a different thought, it can turn into excitement uh, very easily. You can you can actually shift anxiety into excitement. And, and the, the bigger thing that I'm trying to get is that that chain of events, right, being able to master your thinking and, mm -hmm. and then your state experience, now you have a, a much different mastery over your behavior, right? Then if you can master right. your behavior in a much different way, you have much more agency over the outcomes that you do or do not get in right. life. Because anxiety the, is going to lead you to, to behave like a cornered animal. You're going, you're going to make dangerous decisions, whether that's, you know, whether that's body bodily harm or whether that is, you know, emotional harm, but you're going to fight make or flight. You're right. Gonna you're going to get into that home instead of going out. You're right. going to not do the sales call that you might need to do. You're going to sort of shut down instead of expressing mm -hmm. yourself and being excited. And yeah. you know, imagine going in for a job interview and showing up really anxious and your body's responding with sweaty hands and all that versus like, I'm excited and I'm confident, right? That can be mustered through uh, some mental changes that can be made. Mm. But the, the bigger context, I give that as like uh, a place to start as what is the most important thing that we can begin changing. It is quite literally our meaning making, right? That our, that our mind is, is constantly making meaning about the world. Mm. And that's become increasingly difficult because through things like social media, there's a great documentary out called The Social Dilemma that's very right. pop popular right now. Um, that's changing the digital reality that we're all looking at. So mm. we don't even have we don't even have a shared space to make sense of, right? So mm -hmm. we're all, you know, my my very best friend might have a completely different news feed. Yeah. You know, we, we could scroll for 10 minutes and he's looking at all the things and we don't see one piece of shared news, you know. Right. But then go talk as if we're both living in the same reality, but we've been fed very different ideas. But, and while what you're saying is is kind of new, the 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 modalities are new, right? These, these, the, the digital, the digital reality that we live in, the, mm -hmm. um, and, and this idea of like, of shifting, of doing that fundamental shift in your, in your brain and how you approach the emotions associated with these, with these body feelings, with the mm -hmm. somatic nature part of, of emotion. You know, when I, one of the things I keep getting reminded of is this is actually a part of relationship issues from time immemorial. Like how many relationship mm -hmm. counselors tell you when you're dealing with your spouse not to make assumptions that you that we build in our heads in any relationship that you're in you build in your head significance for different behaviors that may or may not be anchored in that other person's reality so we are familiar with what you're talking about uh it's you're just putting into a new context so every marriage counselor in the world said when you're 
Husband leaves the socks on the floor. It is not an insult to you. It is just a habit that he, that he has. It and, is a mindlessness of him. That right. Is, you know, right. It, but it, it's not. But we're making up meaning all the time. Right. right. So that look down the hall from my boss meant that I'm in trouble or she doesn't like me right. or something right. else. And then to the degree that we believe that and really take that on as, as a quote unquote truth for us, it deeply affects how we think, how we feel, how we behave. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the outcomes that we want. Right. So. Uh, getting, gaining some level of mastery over our thinking as a, as a big category is, uh, is what we need to do not only to change our own lives, but societally, we're going to need to start doing this better because right. we're, we're having all kinds of culture breakdowns and all that stuff because we can't agree. We're not making the same meaning. We're not valuing the same things, et cetera. So thinking gets actually more complex than that, right? We can, we can paint this in a, in a quick little brush and we can say, Oh, just change your thinking. Like, oh, that's just a that's a that seems like a simple little hack. I'll just think a different thought in that moment and that'll change my emotion and okay, we're done here. But actually we have different layers of the brain that think very differently. Okay? So, uh, a lot of this is uh based maybe originally on Freud's work. Um I know I connected you with our friend uh Dr. Greg uh, Enriquez. Yes, I love him. Yeah, he he's got an updated tripartite model of the brain which right. is uh, so if we remember that that model of the brain from Freud, it's it's id, ego, and superego, super ego, right. right? And the updated model of that might be uh, experiential self, and I'll, I'll define these a little bit more clearly in a second, private self, which would mm -hmm. uh, be analogous to the ego, and then public self, which would be analogous to the, to the superego. Not to get too geeky here, but what's happening there is we have parts of our brain that are very unconscious and habitual and patterned, right? So right. we could call that just for simplification, the experiential brain. These are, like, our brain is almost trying to habituate everything. Right, to save energy. It's an efficiency, right? right. It's, a, it's a deep efficiency of the brain. So, but what ends up happening, while that's, that's a feature, not a bug of the brain, we can get patterns that are very unhealthy, right? Mm -hmm. We can learn as a child through neglect or abuse or trauma or whatever that we're not a good person or people don't love us or mm. we're ugly or whatever those are. So those can actually get habituated down into the unconscious mind and they just kind of run in the background as truth to right, us, right? right? Whether they're actually true or even useful at all. So there's that level of thinking that needs to be dealt with, right? Which are these unconscious patterns that we often don't even see. We might see the results of them. We might find ourselves procrastinating all the time or finding ourselves lazy all the time, but we don't know that that's being driven by a pattern or a thought that's unconscious to us. Okay. Right. So there's I mean, that. I, I see that all the time when it comes, like I had to take certain social media apps off my phone because I found that I was, I, I, it was crazy mindlessly just opening those apps. What was so powerful is when I took the apps off my phone, I still went to open them on my phone and they weren't Correct. there. And it, that was, that was an aha moment for me of just how much of my life is on autopilot um, and, and, and in, in ways that I don't want it to be right. Well, what's really, what's really crazy is as we're starting to image the brain and look at these things more closely, there are actually studies that do really weird things. And I, I, I want to really widely steer away from woo woo where possible, because I think that we can get lost in that and that becomes messy, but there's, there's real data behind this in woo -woo? where, uh, you know, just like, uh, getting too magical and oh, yeah, too yeah, much, yeah, yeah. like if I think it, it'll just appear in front of right, me. Right, 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 right. But what happens in, in our habituation is our body will actually move before we even have a conscious thought. Our consciousness is almost riding milliseconds or maybe even much longer than that behind 
the actual movement of a behavior because it's been put on autopilot. And then our conscious mind tells ourselves a story that we chose to do it, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we end up filling in the gaps in, in some in, you know, funky internal ways that we uh, keep our brain working that makes excuses for bad behaviors and does all these different things as, as games. But quite literally, if you decide to go open the door, very often your body's already begun doing that before you really made the conscious decision to do that. And so one example is, uh, you know, imagine you find yourself on train tracks and you turn around and the train is coming your way. You don't have to consciously go through like, oh, I guess I should jump or whatever. Your body just jumps, mm -hmm. right? There's, your body is making your heartbeat right now. You don't have to think about blinking. You can blink consciously, but right. you're doing it all day without thinking about it. So right. your body's doing a lot more uh, in your life behaviorally than you even realize, right? So, so that's just one area. That, then we have the private brain. And this is where, you know, in, in Freud's terms, we talk about ego or sense of self. We could think about this as like the private narration. This is our own internal voice that's talking to us, right, as mm -hmm. we talk to ourselves in our mind or we're thinking about things. This is also the private self that we may or may not share with others, right? If, we're, if we have healthy intimacy with others, we start to share more of ourself. But if we're not, we're going to hide more of ourselves, or misrepresent ourselves, or do, uh, you know, tell people we're bigger than we are, or we're better than we are. We mm. didn't really do that thing when we know we did. Say so that you're six feet on Tinder, even if you're only 5'11". Correct. Yeah. yeah, correct. Exactly. So, and this starts to blend with the third mind, which is, uh, you know, superego in, in Freud's terms, or, or public brain, public mind, uh, in Dr. Henriquez's work, where we now have a public persona that is how we're representing ourselves to the world, mm. what we want to show them, how we're knowing that we're being judged by others so that changes our behavior when we're around other people. Like you may always leave your house a mess, but if your in-laws are coming over, you're going to run around and clean up right. because they're going to see right. how you live, right? So you're okay with it privately, but publicly we want to be a little different. Another thing to go back to a married couple might be Somebody comes out and says, do I look fat in this? And, oh, you look beautiful. But inside right. we're going, yeah, you look kind of big, like, you know, yeah. whatever. So there's thoughts going on at all three of these levels. They're actually tied evolutionarily to different parts of us and what's happening. And we can have really stuck issues at each one. So uh, in our world today where young people are going on and all their dopamine's getting flooded by these social media apps and by all the likes that they get, they get very unhealthy in that public brain in mm -hmm. what's the persona of me? How good can I look on Instagram? And, you know, that, am I getting and that feeds back into making you believe that whatever you've created in order, whatever you've tried on in your public self, right? Mm -hmm. Personality wise, whether it's a, a vocal affectation or, uh, you know, wearing a fedora even, but then exactly. your, then your private self, like we were talking about before, begins to justify that behavior in yep. the, in the sort of the unconscious part of you says, Oh no, this is who you are. And now you're fedora guy, whether or not you actually look good in a fedora and exactly. that, and, and that, and you sort of put that on as a, as a sort of uh, veneer of a personality, but before you know it, that actually is your personality. Totally. Well, it's deeply affecting your private self as well. And so this is, this is all Greg's work where he's, he's come up with that whole justification hypothesis. But to bring this back to where this began, thinking is complex. Meaning making is complex and there's different kinds of thinking, right? Mm -hmm. So some deeply meaningful ones that we can go into adjust, which you and I, uh, I think went into in the last time that I was on the show 
is some of those unconscious patterns. It's finding and replacing some of those really bad patterns that are in there that you believe about yourself mm -hmm. and about the world and about other people uh, can be really shifted. And that can be a deep, like even just getting rid of one of those is a, is a deep game changer. Uh, but you also have an internal private narrative that if you can't manage that. So a way to split these apart is almost unconscious thought versus conscious thought. And there's very different skills about each one. Unconscious thoughts, we want to do the work to try to make those more conscious and to change them. Uh, but let's talk about conscious thought for a minute, because I, I know you and I have uh, at least had a conversation about attention being a place. Right. Right. Yeah. This idea that as my attention is on a person or a job or my left foot or whatever, we could actually think of that as the contents of my consciousness are being filled up with wherever I'm placing my attention. Right. 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 Well, and, so, and, and think about like sort of think about in the, in, you know, maybe it's collective unconscious or maybe it's just because of, of the artistic shorthand. But when it, whenever you're watching a movie and they go to that sparse, sanitized white void and it's just mm -hmm. one person in that white void and they're talking and you, you that's always shorthand for all of us to know, like, this is an internal dialogue between two characters that may be spiritual. It may be yeah. it may be mental, but that's that's happening inside the mind of one of these characters. And we just yep. know that that visual cue works for us. And that's exactly that, that's sort of the. Um, artistic visual manifestation of what you're talking about that attention is a place and one of the exercises mm -hmm. you do that i love is you mentioned it briefly just now is the um putting your attention on one foot and then the other foot and thinking about when you place your attention how different that affects the feelings that you're having about each of those places um if you're a weightlifter i don't know if it, it, there's something called the mind uh, muscle connection mm -hmm. right so when you're doing a certain exercise if you're wedged into a machine, that's why machines are so popular, uh, it forces you to only use that muscle. But if you're doing mm -hmm. compound exercises, most weightlifters will tell you, you need to think about the muscle that you are using for this exercise. You cannot, um, it, the, the more, and the more you do that, the more that muscle will grow. And it's not magic. It's because you're connecting to that muscle and you're mm -hmm. focusing on using that one, whether it's your shoulders or your glutes or whatever, as the one to lift the weights. Yeah. And that mental attachment to that does a lot. And that's and that is making attention a place. Totally. So so if we can think about attention as a place, there's two main places that your attention can be. OK, mm -hmm. one is in thought and one is in sensation. OK, so if you are and and, you know, we might have talked about this a little bit in the past, too, but it's really important if we're talking about trying to get people out of anxiety or out of this kind of doldrums of what yeah. COVID has done to us and, and, and get back to some better mental health. If you're there's only two places that your mind can be, it's either in some modeling, some thinking about either the past or the future or an imagination or we're using it to think about math or we're doing something. All of that. If we could simplify that down, that is thought. There is a kind of uh, mental activity that's happening where we're not as much in the present moment. Mm -hmm. We are off into imagination in some way, right. and and that's happening. The other place that our mind can be, and quite literally different parts of the brain light up when you do this, we could move our attention back to a physical sensation, right. which actually brings us into this moment. It brings you into, like, what does my breath feel like? As I was describing anxiety before, there's a thought associated, but there's also like a physical thing going on. If you just drop what the thought is, like I, I mentioned changing the thought before, thinking, mm -hmm. you know, calling it excitement instead, 
But if we were to drop the thinking altogether and just feel the physical sensation and be okay with what is, the anxiety also calms pretty, pretty effortlessly yeah. because, because we're not fueling it with thinking, right? So what most people are doing, here's my, my grand uh, oversimplification statement uh, to, to lump us all together. Most of us are just lost in thought. We, are, we, have, we, we don't really know at, or have any agency over how much thinking we're doing mm -hmm. and what we're thinking about. And so two very uh, different examples of that would be somebody goes through a breakup and they can't stop thinking about this one thing. We might call that rumination, right? They're just, they're depressed and they right. can't, if anybody even in, you know, suggest thinking about something else or doing something else, it's like, right. no, you know, I right. have to honor this with my sorrow, right. right? I have to stay here and kind of just do that. So depression can often look like that. Like you just can't get past the fact of mortality or somebody's passed away or something horrible and you can't leave it. That tends to lead toward depression. What many of us are feeling that's not that right now is scatterbrain, right? I, I literally can't focus my attention very well because we've been trained by social and by technology and all the different inputs to be kind of moving all over the place. Mm. And so we're seeing ADHD go up, which may be an illness, but it also may be an evolutionary response to all the complexity that we're in. Right. We're, we're switching all the time. So we're not spending time with a book for hours at a time. We're not doing these things. And even video lengths of what we're watching are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Mm -hmm. So if we don't know that we're doing that, our brain is going to be making up meaning constantly, either in our own imagination that could be causing us to be really hurt and upset, or those unconscious patterns that are popping up that we're not seeing, right? So we're, we're literally in a sea of meaning making that if your life isn't working out, you haven't gained mastery of managing that meaning making. And, and as you do gain some awareness of when your attention is in thought, how to move it to a different thought, a more useful thought, or how to drop thought altogether to come back into experience, now you begin to get uh, the ability to master your own thinking, feeling, behaving, and ultimately better outcomes because of that. And do, does this work? Yeah, uh, does this work if you are facing? And I think we've alluded to this before, but th if you're facing um, absolute and real external hardship, you know, we're, we're talking from a very from a very privileged and comfortable position, you and I, and and most of the people listening to this are on some sort of digital device and are probably driving in a car or listening on on headphones. My point being, like, so much of our of our consideration of our circumstances is mental to your point. But what about people that are like that are legitimately living with below the poverty line or with painful disease um, or with extreme loss? Can you begin to um, use these mental shifts of reframing things with your mind to um, manage even those circumstances? So it is the only thing to do uh, about those things, right? Like, it, especially if life is being difficult, especially if there's a challenge, that's when you want your brain to be the most effective, the most useful, the most helpful, right? So in any moment, and I'm not talking, this is again, this is where this is not the law of attraction. This is not just think positive. Right. What I'm talking about is learning a skill of useful thinking and actually right-sizing thinking, okay? So uh, if we're lost in thought, I don't even know that that's happening. That's what I mean by lost in it. Like most people would walk around and, and if I said, how much during the day are you thinking versus experiencing? 
they would have no concept of even how to answer that, right? right. They, they don't even know that that difference exists or that it's going on at all. Now, people who start to meditate might know a little bit more about that. People that have done some mindset work or some coaching might know a little bit about it, but very few have done any kind of serious mastery of that or real understanding of what's going on with that. So I've had quite a few challenges in my life. You know, uh, years ago, a lot of bad things were very, very tough for me. Mm -hmm. So I, I know what it takes. So if I'm lost in thought, I'm, I'm the victim to my thinking if I can't manage my thinking well. And my thinking will keep inviting potentially more and more anxiety and dread because anything that I desire, if I can't see that my next desire is just another thought, I'm endlessly creative. So if, if I want the million dollars and I get the million dollars, I can immediately go, well, I'd also like another million dollars. So I constantly make a not there right, yet right. feeling, right? That just puts me on what I call the treadmill of time where right. I'm running to catch up to something right. that's just in my head. Right. It's, it's not real at all. And yet I've lost completely the ability to be in appreciation of what I do have, what's, mm -hmm. what's here right now, et cetera. So let's go into somebody who's facing like real challenges, unemployment, uh, maybe a tough neighborhood, violence, whatever. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to use thought as effectively as possible to make sense and make meaning so that you can think as well as you can to solve whatever problems in front of you. You don't want to be overwhelmed by depression and anxiety. You don't want to be overwhelmed by um, uh, misunderstanding your spouse. And so it leads to divorce because right. you can't communicate effectively. Right. Right. So if we talk about any misunderstanding between people, Yes, if someone's a bad actor, that's a real thing, and you do want to get away. Divorce would probably be the right thing to do in that case if, mm -hmm. if you're married to somebody who's just being a bad actor. But if both really have the intention, and that to doesn't get mean along, that doesn't mean you're married to uh, Scott Bayo. It means someone who is actually <laughs> behaving badly. Not, Correct. Uh, yeah. Not, I'm just yeah. kidding. Scott I mean, Bayo is a fine actor. Yeah, somebody who's cheating on you, or yeah. right, or yeah, abusing yeah. you. Right? That's yeah. it. Yeah. 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 So, you know, acting poorly in life, right. And, and on purpose or maliciously, like you want to get away from that or they're addicted or they're, mm -hmm. they've dealt with abuse and they're abusive or something. Um, you know, the right answer might be to get divorced and, and move away from that. But if two people are genuinely trying to get along and they can't, mm -hmm. what's happening there is they're not capable of sharing meaning making appropriately to find that middle ground of cooperation. And again, to scale this out to our society today, we're, we're seeing that in groups, right? We're seeing that in, in, uh, in lots of different ways, politically, racially, all the, all the different things that we're seeing. We have a hard time holding the other's position and really talking about that. We're not good at seeing what thoughts are versus what is real, and we're starting to take offense. So you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, I have a friend who is in a new job situation, and she's deeply overwhelmed with the work. And so in her own mind, she starts making up, I'm not good at this. Right. I'm going to be fired. I'm right. not going to be able to uh, afford my kids. I'm, you know, all this stuff, only to find out a week later that she's been doing a phenomenal job. Her boss is nothing but pleased with her. Like she just had it completely wrong. So if you think of that week of her truly suffering, like way working too hard, not billing for it, staying up late, can't sleep, mm -hmm. you know, maybe taking years off her life because of the cortisol and the stress. And right, whatever right, 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 right. Right. But then think of that for years or a lifetime. Of right. That, right. Just being in a delusional state of not being able to make good meaning for yourself. And by right? the way, if you if she got very lucky that it was broken up in the first week that the boss yeah. came and said, you're doing a great job. Correct. You know, well, it, gosh, it, that will get discounted very quickly. Yeah. So that, that's not the end of the story.
for right. you. That's just like, it's okay for today. But an hour later, those same feelings of insecurity come right back online. She's sure that the boss had it wrong, that if the boss really knew what was going on, uh, she'd be upset with her, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that sense of anxiety of I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, this isn't enough, I don't have enough, all that stuff that happens mentally for us is almost an addiction of the brain, right? It's a, it's an, a compulsion of thinking that is, is very difficult to stop until you know how to stop it, right? Until you understand uh, that attention is a place and that you're making the meaning uh, and, and on, on and on and on it goes. Is that yes. track for you? That, I mean, that obviously, it definitely tracks for me. Um, and, and, and I guess the, the issue becomes, uh, are there, I know there's no quick fixes, but are there first steps that we can all begin to be taking in order to get that mastery over that? Because I, there are people right now who have been doing a fine job for a long time, but who believe, and then, uh, that they are not doing a good job. And as they believe that they're not going, doing a good job, that creates cortisol, stress, Correct. Bad sleep, like we were just talking about, all of those things, and that begins to make them actually not do a good job, and it begins Correct. to take. Oh, so that's, yeah. I'm glad you took it there because that's that's real. So like, let's let's think about that, right? We're talking about the meaning-making structure of the mind, and what we know about the mind is that neurons are firing, and when neurons fire in a certain pattern, more often they tend to wire together, they tend to strengthen, and so the saying with that is that um, you know neurons that fire together wire together. Mm-hmm. So think of your brain as a, a literal wired up situation that as you're patterning a certain way of being, a certain response to a stimulus becomes easier and easier and easier to do. Right. Well, this is so, like this is like if you when you're growing up, every time you were sad, your mom gave you a cookie and you felt better mm-hmm. because she gave you attention and the cookie. And then as you get older, you eat cookies all the time to compensate to feel for, better, and, and then you end up overweight. It's exactly what it is, right? Yeah. It's just that. But also, um, if somebody texts me something and it wasn't exactly what I expected, that might mean they're mad at me. Or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my, I did something good, but my boss said nothing about it, so she must not like it or it was wrong right. or whatever, right? right? So that goes down into our amygdala. That actually fires off some of those hormones that we're talking about, whether that be adrenaline or cortisol or, you know, whatever. And then now we have a biological situation in our body where our body, not just our mentality, but our our physical body beyond our mind is in a state of stress. And that has a longer shelf life. So I could change your thought in an instant. I could literally say something different to you or you could think a different Mm -hmm. thought yourself and different neurons would fire. Right now, that pattern that you've had forever may be stronger. It may be more default. The more you go back to being unconscious, that could fire again. But the more that we learn how to. Uh, learn what I call 3G3, right? My gratitude practice. Yeah. The more we start actually experiencing gratitude, now you begin to wire different neurons that give a different pathway, fire differently down at the amygdala, actually put totally more balanced, happy you know, chemicals through your body. And now you're changing not only your mentality, but your physicality as well, right? So uh, if you're stressed and overwhelmed and you decide to do a gratitude practice, that's literally changing thinking in the moment mm-hmm. to change your physical experience, your emotional experience, and your, and your quite literally your chemical uh, experience of the moment. And, and the more that you do that, the more you end up wiring and being ready to feel grateful instead of feeling anxious. Mm-hmm. I mean, my experience with 3G3, and, and let's, we should actually... Uh, let's tell everybody what 3G3 we'll, we'll is. We'll teach that here, yeah, sure. It's, it's not, it's not a, a, a very opaque process. It's an amazing process. But basically, you're wiring your body, your mind, 
to be to to attach to the feeling of gratefulness that you already have and and to look for things that you've already experienced that you're grateful for and i got to say in practicing it regularly i then walk through my life being grateful for moment to moment interactions because i have started to think like that i have started to think what does it feel like to be grateful so if it's uh even if it's getting and, and I, I, it's crazy how well it works even if it's getting woken up early by my my youngest kid who's who's just turned four uh he likes to get out of bed earlier than i want to get out of bed especially when i don't have a, a compelling reason to um what i'm instead what i've begin to begun to switch my mind to do is to appreciate the time that i get with him by being the first two people up and and, and begin to appreciate the interactions that i have with him as opposed to resenting the fact that i'm up early and just enduring and that mind so- shift is 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 really profoundly changed my approach to my life. Yeah. So we'll we'll unpack three G three in a second, and it's very simple. Everyone will get it right away. It's not it's not difficult at all. Uh, but there are some distinctions I want to I want to call out. But I want to go back to what we were saying before on a couple of levels. Right. Mm-hmm. In that ten minutes when your child wakes up at four in the morning, if you come to that situation with thinking that is I shouldn't be up this early. I'm so mad at this kid for mm-hmm. being loud. Yeah. Whatever that is that completely changes your experience of life for let's just say 10 minutes, right? Like, and it might be much longer than that. You, you could end up going into the rest of your day mad that that happened because you're a little more tired at work than you wanted to, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? So that is a meaning making that most people are completely unaware that they are doing. It feels like it's happening to them, right? right? They're just responding to the world and they happen to be mad about it and they don't really know what to do about it. That's what I mean by lost in thought. Right. They're not aware that they have agency over that thinking process. Instead, if you were to go to that, and yes, maybe the impulse is to be, I wish I wasn't up this early, but if you decide to go, but I love this child so much, I'm so lucky to have this kid. Now you spend 10 minutes deeply in love with your child, filled up, that's what actually wealth looks like, right? Like wealth isn't a, a set of numbers in your bank account, and I can prove that, because if you were deeply depressed, and I gave you a million dollars, but it didn't change your depression at all, mm-hmm. what would it matter? Like, it doesn't matter at all, right? Like, what we're really trying to do is feel differently. Like, we, mm-hmm. what we want mastery, like, the reason we want money is because that's going to make us feel proud and secure and safe and right. like a ball or whatever those things are, right? So the actual zeros in your bank account don't, yes, it can help you survive and things like that, but it's not, it's not what changes the emotion, right? It, your meaning making is what changes the emotion. Yeah. So that difference between that 10 minutes, the same 10 minutes could be experienced as really angry, upset, sad, poor me, I'm not gonna be able to make it through my day, horrible, that probably carries on way longer than 10 minutes, or I'm deeply in love with my child, it's amazing. And what I wanna wake people up to is that you're way more agentic, you have way more agency to make that choice, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that's going to be way more habitual because we're habit, habit-creating creatures. Right. We're trying to more and more and more down if you practice this just a little bit. So I'll unpack the 3G3. I start with, and you know, the, the full practice might be to, to go sit somewhere quietly with your eyes closed, mm-hmm. uh, but you can do it sitting at your desk at work. It does, you don't have to close your eyes. But let's say you sit and you close your eyes, and the first three represents three conscious breaths. We're just, because attention is a place, we're trying to get out of thinking and come into what the physical sensation of maybe my breath feels like. So we might focus right on the nostrils and just take three conscious breaths and just center for three breaths, that's it. Now you wanna move into thinking about three things that you're grateful for one at a time. And so 
and it could be anything, right? Because there's always something that you can choose to be grateful for. It could right. be that the sun came up this morning. It could be that you're alive. It could be your mom when you were a kid. It could be that you're going to have cookies later today, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But you focus on that. And the extra part that I want to say to people is you want to see if you can not only think about it like it's a check mark, like you're just trying to, I'm trying to get through this 3G3. So I'm just, oh, I'm, I like cookies. Okay, I'm grateful for that. And then this and that. We're actually trying to get it to a deeper part of your brain, which is the right. emotional center. Right. And, and down there is where you actually feel grateful, right? So you're going to think about it long enough that you can actually kind of feel in your body whatever that is. Some people will be way more connected to their emotional reality, so that'll be simple. Some people, it might be like, I don't know what that is, and it might be harder for them. Mm-hmm. But what we're trying do your best to see if you can feel differently. And then do that with one more thing, and then do that with one more thing. So we're doing three gratitudes in the middle. And then with the last three, It just represents another three conscious breaths where now you're trying to take those breaths, but hold that feeling of gratitude and let it hang in there just a little bit. So what's happened there physically is we've literally changed our thinking, just the attention as a place. We've moved our attention to three things that we're grateful for. We've felt the experience of it in our body. Well, guess what? Different neurons have fired and connected in Mm. your brain, quite literally. And the more that you do that, the reason that you sort of feel it the rest of your day is those pathways are now way more available than they were before you ever did that because you now your brain's like, oh, I know what it is to feel grateful. So when something happens in the world, if you have a initial response of like frustration or whatever, your brain can start to do on its own more habitually, oh, no, I'm actually grateful for this or this mm. is a challenge that I'll grow from or whatever that is. Our meaning-making starts to become way more highly functional, way uh, just better, right? Not right. only for our state experience, but ultimately, again, that feeds into our behavior and, and how we uh, get outcomes in the world. So, I mean, I think I think so. You, 3G3 is a great example of... Um, a, a disruptor for that, right? Of, of, of disrupting your meaning making and making you more grateful moment to moment. And, and, um, I think it's something that it, it's agnostic. It like, you know, it is, it, it doesn't, doesn't care. It, being grateful comes from every faith background from, you know, from the Buddhists to Christianity, to all the Abrahamic religions. It, it there's, there's nothing about being grateful that is not a part of all of those, of those moments. Uh, are, are all of those um, uh, ways of thinking. And so I just, I, I just really want to encourage you guys right now as you're listening to this to begin doing exactly what we just talked about, of, of embodying that gratefulness. Uh, mm-hmm. And Rob, we've taken up a lot of your time, but I want people to be able to... That's a, it's a great starting point to some of the, the work that you do with people to really affect change in their lives. And that's available. Uh, I know people, you, you prefer people follow up with you at, at robscott.com. Um, yeah. And that's where they can get access to things like... 3G3 as a part of the overarching thing that you do. Um, Correct. Yep. I've got a free program called Back to Breath. We're going to have a brand new training on robscott.com in the next uh, week or two. So yeah, there's there's a lot of great stuff there. There's a podcast there people can listen to. There's a lot more uh, than this to get into, but that's a great starting point to get people out of anxiety, feeling better, ultimately training their brain to make better meaning and get out of being quote unquote lost in thought. So. Yeah. The neurons, again, the neurons that fire together, wire together. So it's time, to, it's time for us to make this stuff conscious. I mean, most of us consume our news unconsciously. We have the same channels and stations that we listen to every day. We have the same paper that we pick up every day. So our, our information is on autopilot. 
are, uh, you know, just think about this too. Think about how many times if you move or you change jobs, you get in the car and you end up going the route to your old job or your old house. Uh, That is exactly what we are talking about. That is a physical manifestation of the kind of behavioral patterns that we are making without thinking about it. That's that's in your car, and you can physically look at the space and realize that you've you've gone down this autonomic process. Think about how many things we do in our lives that are the exact same thing. How many times you get in the mental car and you drive to the same place that you've been driving for the last 10 years. If you want to have a new house, if you want to be in a new place, guess what? You've got to break up that process. You've got to start driving on purpose. Can I, can I, give, you one, can I give you one more? Sure. So, so this, that's a great representation of exactly how we habituate all kinds of things, right? right. We also habituate that cookie. Or just, you know, you can make a real, and this is where the meaning making or the thinking has everything to do with it. You can make a real decision. I'm done eating for tonight. I've had all the calories I want. I'm not going to snack tonight. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll just watch this show. And then, but a half hour later, you've changed your thinking. And it's like, well, tonight's okay. Maybe I'll start the diet tomorrow, whatever. And we're back in the fridge. And it's way more on autopilot. It's way more habitual than we think, right? So we're, we're deeply patterned into how we brush our teeth, when we get up, what we do, all these things. And when you were saying moving and you go to a new thing, I've moved multiple states away so I don't drive to the same place. But to notice how disruptive it is as mm-hmm. an adult to move and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't, where's my mechanic? Where's my, like, we're, it's, it's really a shake because all of these things end up getting put back and driving to take that example further. When you learn to drive as a young person, it probably took all of your attention. Overwhelming, to dri- to overwhelming. Drive Right. right. Especially if you learned on stick or something like it's yeah. just it was like, what do I do? But now we drive and not only do we not even remember doing it half the time, but we're like eating. Some women are putting on makeup like right. we're changing the radio station. We're in a conversation. And not that that's safe. I'm not recommending that. But we're all doing that because the driving part has been automated. And right. our system under regular circumstances is very capable of doing that pretty well all mm-hmm. the time without thinking about it much. So much of what we're doing has been put into the unconscious and is on autopilot. And then when we're not getting the behaviors we want, we're not getting the habitual thinking that we want, and we're feeling crappy because of it, uh, we have to wake up to how we're unconscious, to how that meaning-making is starting, and ultimately how much that meaning-making is is driving, or just thinking, to simplify what meaning-making means. Thinking is driving our behavior and our feelings and all the rest of it. That is the thing that you want to gain mastery of. That's the place to start. What I love, too, so much about that is that that should be empowering. If you're listening to that, you should feel empowered with this idea that if it's all internal, guess what? You can begin to change that, right? You, you don't even have to worry about the pile of things that you think are your circumstances. You can begin to change your thinking right away. And um, let, me, let me say another way. If you, have, if you have one negative thought about yourself, I would love it if you would just decide as a habit to literally say no you're awesome to yourself, right? If you say like, I'm ugly and you catch yourself, you just become aware that you're saying that in the background, debate yourself, right? Actually get into a little bit of an argument with yourself and say, nope, I love myself and I'm beautiful and this is great. Like even if, even if that's hard to believe in the moment, go through that exercise, right? I want to challenge people, go try to look in the mirror, look yourself in the eyes in the mirror and really sincerely say, I love you. Mm -hmm. I I hope you can do that well, but it's, it's kind of shocking how many people actually have a difficult time taking that seriously and doing it. Uh, you know, getting to the ability so that your self-talk, that mid brain that we're talking Mm -hmm. about, that private brain that's yours 
having that saying loving and supporting things, you could think about it as like parenting yourself well, right? Like if yeah. we, had, we had whatever parents we had, but whatever that internal voice is that's talking to you, have that be how you would talk to a child that you really love. Like give yourself the permission that you're in process. You're not supposed to be perfect. We're all learning and growing and doing whatever and love wherever you are in the process and give yourself uh, a little bit more, um, you know, positive uh, vibes and love. And you'll see that your emotions will follow. Mm. Your behavior will follow. And that stuff is uh, certainly where to begin. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. So again, guys, check out robscott.com. A link to that in the show notes. Uh, and then uh, what about social? Do you guys want, you want people to follow up with you on social, Rob, or just the website? Yeah, that's, that's probably the central place to do it. I'm not lucky enough to have an unpopular name so I can have all the just Rob Scott's. I'm, I'm, I think I'm real Rob Scott on Instagram. I think I'm Rob underscore Scott on Twitter. And you can find me on Facebook, uh, probably F shift or Rob Scott or something. But if you go to robscott.com, links to all that is yeah. right there. That's the hub. Check out robscott.com. Again, link in the show notes. One last thing. I've asked it to you before. I ask it to everybody. What is one thing that we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? I'm going to say 3G3. I, I think agree. If you take on 3G3. With, I agree. You know, a, a couple of minutes in the morning, maybe five minutes in the morning. That's probably uh, where you want to start. Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, I, I, in feeling that in my own life, it has really, really fundamentally shifted the way that I, that I approach things. And I, I'm, I'm very, I'm grateful for 3G3. There you go. Nice. That's, you that's go. very tautological. Rob, it's, <laughs> it's always such a pleasure to talk to you, man. Thank you so much for your time today. You got it. Thanks for having me, man. That's it for our show today. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It helps us out a lot. If you would like to follow up with us, please check us out at facebook.com slash John Tesh. That's where we spend most of our time. We go live there all the time. John is also on Twitter at John Tesh, on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at facebook.com slash Gib Gerard, as well as at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every mention, every DM. I've even had a couple of people on the show that you guys have recommended because I do this show for you guys. So thank you so much for listening. 